Welcome to the Transcending Sport Podcast with Rob Cruz. An audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Cruz. The podcast is Transcending Sport. My guest is Kerry Foster, CEO, owner-operator of Foster Fast Pitch in Alabama. And she is, she really needs no introduction. She's been on the show before. She's a close friend, my, my little sister. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad, excited. Always glad, excited to talk with you. Good. I'm, I'm glad. So I'm glad you were able to make it. Um, I want to get into some stuff. I want to talk about, I want to talk, uh, first of all, what's going on with you? What's new in, uh, for Foster Fast Pitch down in Alabama and in your travels? What's going on? Well, um, here, I mean, we're able to have clinics and get together and stuff like that. I know that's changing across the, the nation right now. I know mm-hmm. some people are still not getting together and, and different things, but in the South, it's um, it's warm. It's 80 degrees. Everybody's mm-hmm. out. Um, I'm able to do some camps and clinics. I've traveled to a couple of different states mm-hmm. doing some weekend kind of type things, um, introducing just kinetic sequencing, timing, uh, movement patterns, all that into mm-hmm. the world of softball because I feel like it's been needed and a lot of people haven't, um, you know, tapped into that, I yeah. guess, as much. And um, so being able to share that with other coaches, um, I have a mentorship. I actually just got off of a Zoom call with them and sharing with them, you know, just different insights on building a business, um, pitching in general, answer, answering questions, and then you know, building their social media presence. So it's busy. Life's busy. That's good. Good stuff. So have you, have you been following any, uh, have you been following any, any college softball on, on uh, ESPN lately? <laughs> Obviously the ones that my kids are playing. <laughs> I was so, able to watch Annabelle. Mm-hmm. You remember Annabelle when you came down? Yeah, I remember her. Oh, it was awesome. Um, she went in and played, um, who was it? it? I think it was uh, Louisville. Okay. And, she came in in the very end and pitched, I think, two or three innings, closed it up. They had been through two pitchers already, and this girl had hit a grand slam. She's probably known in that conference for one of the biggest hitters. She went 13 pitches, 14, she threw a curve and struck her out. So nice. I enjoyed watching that. I was excited to see her battle and fight that out. She started at second mm-hmm. base and played was second, um, second batter. So um, then had a Brianna. She's in Indiana. She got player of the week. She had a .83 ERA in her pitching, and then she had a home run. So, oh, she, I didn't even know, know. I didn't even know she hit. Yeah, Brianna's, okay. both of them are big hitters. So I don't know. Um, okay. Then I have you know some kids locally that I'm trying to go watch in local schools in Alabama mm-hmm. that I can watch, and mm-hmm. then of course my high school kids, and you know it's not enough to go around. So I try to get as much in as I can. <laughs> but that's really that's all I've been doing. I've got some projects I've been working on, so it's hard to follow a lot of the big schools on tv right now but all right cool so um so i want to ask you this so so i want i want to i want to talk pitching but i want to i want to start here and then i want to segue into some pitching stuff and um because i got some i I got some thoughts so a lot of home runs Mm -hmm. i mean that's nothing new but it's been a lot of home runs um you know there's chatter from different peoples talking about, hey, um, we want to, we should, we, maybe we should move the fence back. 
And I'm like, these home runs are like 20, 30, 40 feet over the, over the fence. So we're, we're gonna move the, mm-hmm. we're gonna move the fences back to three hundred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, what are your thoughts? Why, why so many home runs? I, I have I have a theory, but I, ha- I haven't mm-hmm. discussed it yet with any with any pitching people. Mm-hmm. Um, but why why are there so many home runs in, in your well, in your mind? Number number one, we know mm-hmm. the harder the pitching, farther the ball goes, and mm-hmm. so we're seeing an elevated increase in pitching over the last several years. Pitchers mm-hmm. just in the seventies. It's it's like unrealistic. When I grew up, I mean, if you threw sixty five. I mean, you're top dog, you know, and mm-hmm. so now we're seeing pitchers being able to throw 70, 72, 73, and used to even be, I can hit 70, but I'm, I'm, I'm master my pitches well at 65. Mm-hmm. Now they're starting to master their pitches at 70. So I think with pitching, um, you know, getting better and the teaching getting better and the science getting better and the technology getting better, our pitchers are getting better as far as that goes. The the thing to me is the element of surprise. Are are we are we able to surprise and come with something new every mm-hmm. single year? Yeah. Um, but for me, I mean, these hitters, if they're seeing the same spin on the curveball and they've pitch recognition and they've seen that and they've seen that and seen that, they know what you're throwing as soon as they see it. Right. But are the pitchers able to miss the bat? That's that's a whole nother thing, you know, and right. I don't know how much of that is gifted, how much of that is taught. I know it's not being taught much um, uh, approach to pitching. You know, they're always taught pitching lessons, how to throw the pitch. But how much of the approach to, pit, you know, pitching, meaning, you know, reading batters, missing the bat. Mm-hmm. My kids that do well are the ones that naturally do that. So, so I think that's some, some of it. So let me just, I'm going to say this. So I have three things that I've been, you know, I've been watching very closely um, at, at how it has been evolving to this point. Um, I have a theory that I believe pitching should be easier than it is, but it looks like it's not getting easier for people to get people out. And I'm going to tell you why, but I'm going to say, I got, th- I got three reasons why we have so many home runs and we're not even out of, we ju- we're just in the second week of, of, of March. Um, one, the hitters are so much stronger. These girls are freaking mm-hmm. strong. Like, mm-hmm. way stronger than they were five years ago. A lot stronger than they were ten. And Because back then you had to, you had to, you had two or three girls in the lineup that were strong, but now you got pretty much anybody can hit it out. Eight batters are hitting it out. Seven, nine batters. Um, I don't believe that the... I, I believe that the fences are only 200 feet. I don't believe that's too short. I don't believe that's too far. I believe 200 is, is what it is, right? But I also believe that a lot of these pitchers are leaving a lot of balls over what I consider the middle of the plate. Like if it, 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 these these days, if you're on the white and it's not moving up or down, you're 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 down the middle. Yeah. Um, would you agree? What do you, what do you say? What do you say to that? Yeah, and I think you know when I was in college, they called it freshman mm-hmm. mistake because the umpires I know around here in our local school system is not the level as, mm-hmm. as college. It's mm-hmm. just way far off. So yeah. they've been taught and, um, you know, through experiences, they have to stay close to the plate or, you know, they're, they're throwing a ball. Yeah. You throw, um, throw strikes, throw strikes, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I don't feel like the kidders in high school and travel ball is totally different, but I'm in high school season right now. They're just not as aggressive. So they're going to watch a lot of pitches. Mm-hmm. And so therefore then the umpires don't call it and they, the strike zone gets really tight. <clears throat> That's the one thing I see a lot is just the, the strike zones tight. So as they're aging, they're being taught um, through experience or coaches, 
throw closer to the plate. You got to, you know, even from the very beginning, you know, they're eight years old. It's throw mm-hmm. them on the plate, throw the, throw the strike, throw the mm-hmm. strike. And it's just ingrained in them to mm-hmm. throw a strike. And whereas I teach, when I teach, I try to throw the illusion of a strike. Yep. We don't throw strikes. We throw the illusion of a strike. And that goes down to ball path breaking points. And so you have to put them in positioning. And, and one, the structure has to be, has to allow for that to happen. Their fundamentals have to allow for that to happen. Um, and then you put them in circumstances and situations in a in a practice where they mm-hmm. can be successful at creating the illusion of a strike. The ball looks like a strike, but then it, you know, it breaks late. I don't think enough of that is being taught as well, but they're being conditioned, I guess that's the word, um, prior to. And if they're not playing um, travel ball, I, one, I think tra- a lot of travel balls water down now compared to where it used to be, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, where there might be f- um, facing one or two SEC, you know, big 10, whatever schools, it's they're, they're facing one kid in a lineup that that's, so they just got to throw around one kit or they just walk them. That's true. They've never faced nine batters yeah. that can take the yard and you can't walk them. You got to defeat them. You got to beat them every mm. single time. So they're not conditioned to win like that. I feel like. That's yeah. really good. That's really good perspective. <laughs> I didn't even think about that whole, the whole one batter, two batter. And usually it is like a, a good high school team or a good travel team. You got two, three batters tops. And after that, it's, it's pretty much easy outs if you're if you're a quote unquote dominant pitcher. So let me ask you this: So you got a kid? So you, so you got what? So here's what I'm taught: I, Kerry Forrester is my pitching coach, or or someone's my pitching coach, and they taught me to do these things. But then I have my game coach, who may or may not really understand the importance of of pitch calling. So. The, the right pitches that fit me aren't being called. As a kid, as a 15, 16, 17-year-old playing for a team who you respect and your team is winning, how do you have that conversation? How does, how does one begin to have that conversation with a, the pitch caller for their team to be able to articulate, hey, you know, these are, these are my strengths. These are the, these are the sequences that I'm, that I'm comfortable with throwing um, without feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm overstepping the boundary of player coach. How does that conversation, uh, how, how, how would you initiate that conversation? How would you suggest a, well, a pitcher? Well, let me start with this, is I feel like our pitchers are handicapped in the first place because they've never been allowed to reason and understand pitch calling. Therefore, you always have to be babysat on the mound and somebody has to do it for you because you're not educated, hmm. period. So hmm. I'm not going to entrust you with this game as a head coach. And my job is, rely, you know, is relying on whether we win, on your opinion, and your uneducated guess of what you think you should be calling based Mm -hmm. on what daddy's told you you should be calling and what you think you're good at. Mm -hmm. Who is, so what needs to happen is the coaches themselves, if they can in high school, which I know we've got limited ability as coaches in high school, whether they're good or they're some other sports coach, football coach, cheerleading coach, and they've never had really experience. I mean, we've got all kinds of stuff thrown into that, but Mm -hmm. travel ball coach, you still have a lot of dads. I mean, what is the education level of the travel ball coaches? I mean, you're still struggling there too. Um, but some pitchers get it, some pitchers don't. But they have to be under the instruction of somebody teaching them how to miss the bat, how to throw pitches, what is their best pitch, and does that best pitch change every single day? Yes. 
I mean, you might have a best pitch, but that day, is that your best pitch? If it's not, then you, you better rely on your rise versus your curve. Um, you better rely on your drop instead of your curve. Mm -hmm. Instead of going to your safety net, which you feel comfortable with, which is not working today, you've got to be able to throw something different. That versatility, you know, of the pitcher. So I think there's so many things that go into that as a head coach. From a head coach's perspective, they're looking at this child of, you know, is she capable of calling her own pitches? Is she smart enough to miss the bat? Can she read the batter? Do we have a catcher that can even catch this pitcher? How can we communicate between the two? So I think there's a lot of things that go in it. But my advice would be, and this is one thing my coaches did with me, and I really loved it, was having communication, open communication, and not having barriers between the pitcher and the coach. If the pitcher feels like the coach believes in them and feels like they can communicate on a, mm -hmm. on a, a an adultish level, um, <laughs> then they can feel like you know they can respect them. There's this level of respect, and in between innings, she can say, "Hey, coach, my curveball's sucking it up this inning." You know, we talked. The catcher said it's not moving. I feel like it's not moving, even though the first two innings it's moving. We may need to shift a little bit in the fourth inning. Let's go with my drop ball. I feel like it's working really good. Um, I feel like they're not hitting that well. And then we shift. Um, then the coach might say, well, this next pitcher's coming up. I mean, this next batter's coming up. And she's a drop ball hitter. I mean, I've watched her. I've scouted her. She kills drop balls. So your curveball's not working. She can't hit off the plate. What do we do? Okay. Well, then do you have another pitch? If not, you're going with a fastball out there. And you got to be okay with throwing that. And you got to be smart enough to know this kid's a good hitter. And when I tell you to throw the fastball on the outside corner, she can't hit that, but you can't throw it on the plate either. So we can't miss. So right. you got to, you know, that communication has to happen between the games and that pitcher has to know what to expect from the next three batters. And then the coach needs to know what she feels comfortable with, because if the pitcher feels at least a little bit of anxiety or doubt or stress, just like you've always said, we're emotional, we're emotional players. If that happens, we're going to choke, we're going to get tight and we're going to hang the pitch every single time. Um, so dealing with these vulnerable athletes being so young and you're trying to mold them, uh, everything's a teaching experience and if you're not teaching in the game these situations in between innings then you don't you're missing out on a lot of opportunities and so with the player from the player's perspective she just needs in a non-confrontational environment mm -hmm. she needs to sit down and talk with the coach and say hey coach i would like to be able to express in between innings how i'm doing and let you know what's working, what's not working, what I feel like's going on. You know, is that is that an option? Can we do that? Will you have time in between innings? Is that you know available? <laughs> but and you know what? You know, would say yes. But you know what though? In a travel ball scenario, which is why I really believe in the bench coach. I really believe that. Yeah. Um, at, at the championship level of travel ball, I'm talking PGF nationals. Mm -hmm. Sixteen teams left. It's, it's really, or if it's eight teams left, it's really eight pitching staffs that are, that are remaining, to be honest. Yeah. Right? So at when you get to that point, a lot of the teams, their format, I mean, th their structure is my smartest coach or my best coach or my most <coughs> experienced coach is standing in the third base box when my team comes off the field. Mm. Right? My pitch caller... It's probably at first base. Yeah. So I'm in the. I just had an inning, good or bad, and I got. I'm in. I'm kind of in the dugout with a parent with a scorebook. <laughs> yeah. You know that that's the structure. Uh, I, yeah. be, I I believe that having a, a a bench coach is the value of having somebody in there 
to talk with all the pitchers after every inning at the same time. Mm-hmm. And let's go over what happened and how it played out. Whether it's fielding bunts, backing up bases. We're going to talk about the entire inning, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I, I don't know that 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 players are getting that mm-hmm. at the highest travel ball level. So forget about mid-range. Forget about the mid-level and lower-level travel ball. You know, that's definitely not going not gonna to happen at all because you, you don't have the client, you don't have the uh, the, the, <coughs> the experience in, in the staffs. But you get out, mm-hmm. you get out to other places where you have teams that are the same person has been calling pitches for 15 years on this team. Mm-hmm. The same person has been calling pitches for 10, 12, 15, you know, eight, five, 10 years on this team. They know how to do it and they know how to read what's working and that's work not working. Even if a player doesn't communicate. But I, 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 you know, how, how, much, how much time are they actually spending in the bullpen with the kid to know the kid? They may can read the batters, but how much time are they able to read pitches and read whether that kid's throwing it well and are they throwing it their best and how are they feeling and are they throwing their strongest or did you just come off of two leg days in the gym and now their their timing's off? Like That's yeah. why I feel like for mm-hmm. me, when mm-hmm. I co- helped with um, travel ball, um, when I head coached, I, I was able to do this quickly between innings. But when I've been hired or actually went into tournaments with them and I was the pitching coach, that's all I did. I warmed them up. How are you feeling? What do you think? And when they came in, I was it was me and pitchers, me and catchers all, all day long. And I didn't worry about nothing else. I, I read the field. I read batters. I came in, read my pitchers. And so that is a full-time job in itself. So to, to your point, um, I, I really don't believe that somebody who doesn't have the level of experience that you have who mm-hmm. has been a pitcher <laughs> you know herself uh would even know that that's a thing that should be done Mm-mm. because i, I think i think yeah. it transcends how good this pitcher is because you know as well as i do exactly yeah she's right. she's good but why is she not where she is because there's different things that go into it there's the there's the, the instruction that she gets from you during the week then there's like, there's like a, a, her warm up, you know, how, how much time does she need to warm up? Is she getting that amount of time? Um, mm-hmm. uh, is anybody out there in the bullpen with her? Does she need somebody out there to be with her to, to be able to help her understand what's going into the game? Where are we with that pitch? Mm. You know, and then yeah, I, don't, when, I don't think they even know. They just uh, that, that's not happening. 30 minutes. Right. No, and they're, they're, here's 30 minutes. My arm mm-hmm. feels warm. I'm not going to mm-hmm. tear my ligaments. I'm ready mm-hmm. to go. And I, think, and I think so. So in terms of like pitching, because because pitching, because as a, as a hitting coach, right, I have to understand pitching. I have to have a deep understanding of pitching, in order to reverse engineer what pitchers are doing, to know how to teach hitters. Like there's no way I can just just do one thing and not know the other. Yeah, that's impossible. And if I'm going to be effective at at, at um, helping hitters to get to that level that they want to get to and be mm-hmm. good, because who's to say you're going to go to a school that has a hitting coach that can help you? Who's going to go to school? A pitching coach is going to help you. Exactly. So if, so if I can't get you to be uh, able to self-coach and and be able to critically deal and, and just have a level of self-awareness, then I, then I didn't do my job as a as somebody who you trusted to prepare you for that next level. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, you know, I, as I as I as I reevaluate pitching and and what's going on at the higher levels of the game. Yeah, we know that we know that I'm just using that as the model because if it, if this is happening at the higher levels of the game, then we know it's definitely we know what's going on when you get we start going down a couple of not going down a couple of tiers, because I think each tier 
of of level of difficulty is based on the difficulty of pitching. Mm-hmm. You know, so 12 U, 14 U, you know, 14 U, 16 U, 18 U college, D1, 2, and 3, mm-hmm. you know, major division one, mid-major, the difference is the pitching. It, it, it's, yeah. it's the players, mm, yeah, but the pitching, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not the same. So go back to your theology. Your, your you said you yeah. had three, you had three things. I think we did one and we got off on some more. So what's your other two things? Why are they hitting bombs? I, I didn't do a three. I did. I thought I did three. I said, um, oh, yeah. I said, um, I need the bullet point. Okay. I got you. So bullet point one was the hitters, are, hitters are so much stronger. Bullet point two, the fences are, the fence is short. 200 feet is short. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. I'm not saying we're going to move it back. I'm just saying it is what it is. Right. And then mm-hmm. the third one, the pitchers are throwing the ball down the freaking middle. Yeah. Like, hit your freaking spots. No, I mean, like, are hit they your spots. The Dude, go watch. I have this video. Go, go on my Twitter. I have a video that I posted of um, of just hitters hitting home runs in the Clearwater tournament from, from a few yeah. weeks ago. It's just like, it's like 30, 40 home runs. It's two minutes. It's two minutes of just straight bombs. Every single home run. If, if, you, if you go from the middle of the plate, one ball to the left or one ball to the right, that's where those pitches work. That's the problem incredible. that I see in my kids is mm-hmm. in, until they get it, they don't know how to miss by inches. They only miss by feet. You know, they don't they don't miss that much. They miss that much. So if you say throw it on the corner, they can do that. You say throw it off the corner, they throw it this far off. And so a lot of that to me is, is fundamental coaching. It's, <coughs> excuse me. They uh, they throw their shoulder out. They don't they don't drive. They don't land stack. I mean, a lot of that's fundamental. Like if if mm-hmm. it when they come in, no matter what age they come in, I look at their fundamentals. If your fundamentals not there, just like with throwing, just like with with you're always going to have a tendency or an error to to do one thing. So if you're not mm-hmm. throwing right, you could be always throwing to the left. Your ball could always be curving. Yep. Um, but with pitching, I teach my kids, it's just like being a sniper in the military or a gymnast on the beam. It is, it is so pinpoint accuracy. And if your fundamentals not there, and if you don't practice all the time that just like a gymnast, she's not landing that back handspring on a beam. You're not landing, missing the plate by that much. And so if your gloves always flying out or your drag is always flying out and you're, you don't have core and stability to be able to throw, there's no way you can control your lens. There's no way. And it goes back with, I mean, same with you with hitting. If they don't sequence right and their hips not turning right and then they're hitting with their shoulders and they're throwing their shoulder out, <laughs> you can't expect them to put spin on the ball and hit it in a place that they want to hit it. All right. So I'm glad you said that. <laughs> um. There's a there's a there's there's a distinct difference in the modern game of fast pitch between the players who one may or may not have the form and two have this ability to go into a game and get it done however it needs to be done. So you, and that those kids are limited to like one percent. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, let, 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 so take but, that but, one but, but you, but do, out. But no, here's my here's my deal. When we first meet an athlete for the first time, mm-hmm. right, and they first come in, can you are you able to move your camera over so that you're in the middle of the screen? You're kind of over to the. There Is you that go. Good? That's perfect, right there. Now I got you. <laughs> I got okay. you good. I got your good side now. 
<laughs> so so we got the we got these kids right that we get and they go to different people for whatever for for instruction and we, it's just we we know so much as coaches we have we have all this that we want to give them and we get these athletes they came from cheerleading they came from soccer they came from basketball they came from multi-sport they came from field hockey wherever they came from right and then we get them in the we get them in the cage or we get them in and you know in, in a pitching lesson and we got so much that we give them it are we are we over coaching are we over coaching because of all these fundamentals <coughs> to the point that we're coaching the athleticism out of our kids yeah. So, na- so now instead of us having a whole lot of odysseys who are who she is highly, highly athletic. And her fundamentals may not be where somebody would say, oh, well, you can't do that. Why can't you? She, she just did it. She did it. She's doing it. So yeah. I, so that I, I believe it. And I'm and I'm, I'm kind of evolving into this into this. I'm evolving in this area as, as a coach. Like. Here's what really matters. I need your bat on plane. I need you on time and I need you to swing faster. Stop trying to have a swing. Stop trying to have a form. Because yeah, it's great. You have a form. Congratulations. But you can't hit. I think in hitting, I, I, I agree. I think it's analysis paralysis. And mm-hmm. I think for mm-hmm. me, I can I can break it down to nitty gritty and I can make you paralyzed because mm-hmm. you don't, you know, you're thinking about all the details. I have a tendency to do that sometimes, but most of the time I can, I can, after 20 years of experience, I can see where the kid is. If she loves that kind of stuff and it benefits her or if it just tears her down and she just gets exhausted. So that's one thing. Um, the difference between pitching and hitting with that is injury prevention. There's so many different injuries that can happen. And so she might be athletic at all, at all get out. But if she's landing in a position where her back is arched and her butt is out because she's open too much, she's going to have a herniated disc, a torn labrum, and a torn rotator cuff. Mm-hmm. And no matter how athletic she is, she's done by her freshman year. Yeah. And so those are the things, the repetitive um, motions that are not consistent with health. Mm-hmm. That's one thing we have to be mindful of without taking athleticism out. There's a couple of things for me when I teach pitching that are just basic. Like I want you to land in a position that's powerful, that your core is steady, that it's not, you're not arched and now you can't use your core and you're generating power through your shoulder. Um, I want to make sure that you're moving in a forward direction. That's going to get you um, getting like getting explosive movements. So it's stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think if you're worried about details of toe angles and, and glove positioning, cause I have, people their gloves way out here but you know what their shoulders pointed to their target mm-hmm. so it's not affecting this shoulder being thrown which is going to cause any kind of shoulder issue so i'm not worried about the glove as much as i am where's the shoulder position how is she landing is she stable balanced can she generate maximum power from how she lands if she can great you can do all the other things you can pitch how you want to pitch you can start how you want to start you know um but um I think that's the biggest thing is coming from a perspective of, is she healthy? Then from there, how can we generate more power, make her more successful, but still continue to have her little swag on the way she pitches? And it's a, it's a balance. And, and I think you're, one, I 100% agree with you. It, the balance, the balancing act of, yeah, there's certain things on the form side of it that we absolutely need to do. In order to have a have a 
a level of consistency because your, your consistency is going to be based on your efficiency. But then we can sometimes we can go a little bit over the edge for that player where it becomes too much and it's distracting them from competing because, yeah. they, because the form is distracting them from the competition mm-hmm. that is required of them to be at a specific level. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I'll say this too, my kids that are just the odysseys, the athleticism, mm-hmm. it kind of didn't matter how much analysis I put to them. They're beast anyway. Mm-hmm. They're going to get out there and kill it because they ain't even worried about it. Mm-hmm. Like I had a kid one time and she's like, I know my crap stunk, my form stuck, but dang, I just struck out 18 people. You know, like it, she just didn't care. So those kind of <laughs> kids to me, mm-hmm. it, nothing's usually going to phase them anyway, but it's the kids that are a little bit below that they have a lot of athleticism but they're dealing with fear from dad they're dealing with performance fatigue you know i have to perform all the time i have to be good they got more emotional issues going on that it didn't matter what analysis paralysis and stuff that i gave them that if they can't get rid of this junk they ain't never getting to that point anyway so but i mean i do agree it goes back to just knowing your kid and having um what do we call it eq you know like Mm -hmm. Can you can you evaluate the emotional environment that's around you? Can you evaluate when she comes in, she's had a bad day? Okay, well, then I'm not giving you burpees today because you're not, you know, your piss poor, you know, athleticism is happening right now. Or, you know, are you excited and something happened and now you're hitting crazy numbers on the radar, you know? Um, and then are they coming in? They're just physically emotional. They got emotional stuff going on. I mean, it's just I coach my dad asked me, he said, you only coach four hours a day. Why are you? Why are you? I work eight hours a day. I said, you deal with 40 women in four hours and tell me how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> he said, OK, you got me. You got me. Yeah, it's seven hours. So it's just I'm constantly evaluating the room with age groups, emotional, athletic abilities, you know, constantly going from, okay, this kid's trying to get in the SEC. This kid is just barely going to make high school. Mm-hmm. And, like, going from push, push, push to, okay, pat on the back. You did good. You got the ball across the plate. Like, I become, uh, what is it? A, is it a chameleon? What is it? That changes? A, a chameleon, yeah. Yeah. From, from minute to minute to minute to minute, you know, and it's like, she's screaming over there but she comes over here and she's not screaming you know and it's just right. like because i know what my athlete needs and it's like does she need motivation does she need excitement does she get scared when i get loud does she need punishment because her attitude stinks or just not punishment but just um um discipline mm-hmm. um and does this girl just she's eight years old and just thinks that i'm her nanny and she just wants to come in and tell me about her day like that's <laughs> just made her day. You know, so it's just constantly um, doing that. And if you can do that as a coach, then you can, I can kind of come off and then realize, okay, that's too much. That's too much analysis. That's too much science. That's Mm -hmm. too much this. I need to pull away. She's not going hard anymore. And then sometimes I've done that. And I said, forget everything I said, just throw hard. Just like be a beast. Just just throw. Mm -hmm. Let's see where it goes. And get her back out of – it's called left brain, right brain. Have you heard of a um, author? And she wrote a book called um, Five, Four, Three, Two, One, Go. Mm, I think I might have heard of it. I can't remember her name, mm-hmm. but it helped me tremendously when I was playing tennis. And she talks mm-hmm. about, and you will know this more than I do. One side's emotional brain. Is it right side's emotional? Left side's logic. Right side. Yep. 
right okay. side is emotional left side and so side. she said how to get before how to get your your brain back into left side logical um in five seconds basically saying that within five seconds you can either go logic or you can go emotional so you throw the pitch ball gets over hit over the fence you got five seconds before you say oh god she's coming to look in the bullpen she's coming to yank me out oh god my dad's gonna be yelling at me oh you know you got five seconds before your mind just goes straight emotional mm-hmm. and she says when something happens or you your your mind's trying to switch Say five, four, three, two, one, go. Five, four, three, two, one, go. And just keep saying that. And and then your brain will never go into that emotional. It goes straight back into logic, into, okay, now I've got to do this. Trigger words. I've got to, you know, refocus. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was playing tennis, and I would always get my mind on the serve, and then I'd hit it out. Or I would, I would tense up, and I'd hit the net. And so when I started using that philosophy, as I was bouncing the tennis ball, and it was five, four, three, two, one, go. And I would do it. There was no time to don't mm. hit the net, don't short arm, don't overthrow it, hit it. Mm. You know, there was no second guessing. It was just pure athleticism coming out and it would just, I would master it. And so I teach my pitchers that, that when they throw a pitch and something don't go as planned, five, four, three, two, one, go, five, four, three, two, one, go. And then when you get back to the circle, assess the situation, say your trigger words, step on the mound, clear your head and pitch. And so, so a lot of that's just psychology of pitching. It's just get your head out of the analysis. Get your mm-hmm. head out of that. Like, so I like that because I, I think I think what it does is it a lot it, it it because a lot of a lot of people hold on to what just happened for way too long. Like I know hitters do that. Mm-hmm. They they hold on to and at bat for like three innings, <laughs> a bat at bat for mm-hmm. three innings, or they hold on to the last pitch going into the next the next pitch as a, as a, as a hitter, right? So. And I like the five, four, three, two, one thing too, because you're giving them a tool to you're giving them a how to. Because we could say, yeah. you know, we could say, hey, turn the page, turn the page. We could say that, but if, if if we have if we now have a tool to help us to move our thought mm-hmm. process somewhere else, that's extremely helpful, I believe. And the and the last thing I'll say is um a lot of people underestimate the power of self-talk yeah because one it should be positive obviously um two it should be different things that i can say maybe if especially if it's instructional self-talk that gets me back to the things that i may be getting away from because i'm talking to myself in a certain way and you know in between pitches and you know in between at batters that i see so I think I think those are those are those are phenomenal 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 uh, tools and and strategies to help to help our players stay in stay locked in because the better yeah. athletes are able to one get locked in two know when they're not locked in and three when they're not locked in they know how to get back to locked in really quickly the athletes who struggle are the ones who obviously. They never know when they're going to be locked in. They have no idea how they got to locked in, and if they get away from it, they can they can never get back. And you can see it. Oh, I got I got to go. Mm-hmm. Somebody go get her. Somebody get up. She's done. Like you look at her. Her whole everything changes. Her countenance, her body language, yeah. everything everything's different. She starts looking and looking for her dad and his bleachers every 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 other pitch. Like she's done. Right. So yeah. I think I think we see that. You know, we recognize that as coaches who not who understand how to read a room and how to um, how to read the, the emotional. Uh, the, intelligence the, you know, the, we, we have that we have that eq right we have that eq yeah. so, that, so now 
say have, having said that, I, I like to, I want to segue into something because I, I thought about I was thinking about you a couple days ago, and I said you know you you posted um, you posted a post about the the Stanford soccer player, mm-hmm. and um, you know we, we're coming out of you know a, a lot of people handled the pandemic situation very differently than others. Some people, I believe, came out of it on one or the other side of positive. Um, And others didn't for whatever reason, right? But a lot of adults have struggled with what the entire world has gone through. Adults have struggled. So now you got to look at the children. You have to say, these are children. How are they handling it? And then what am I doing to make my environment um, a, a better, more nurturing place for them to come to, to help them to to, to navigate their feelings and emotions and things like that, right? So, um, the mental health piece. I had I had so many freshmen who went to college in twenty 2020, in twenty twenty one for the twenty twenty one spring season, and for their entire fall, and for the most part of their spring. They didn't get to have a real college experience. They were pretty much on lockdown. They couldn't go out. They couldn't go hang out with their friends. They were like in their room, especially if you're an athlete, because if you catch it and you give it to your team, our season's over. So the athletes were on a different type. They were in a different type of prison, so so to speak, in terms of you can't do this like everybody else can, because if you do this, you got 24 other young women that are going to be affected by your lack of discipline or your lack of of, uh, of of focus in terms of what we need to do as a, as a we're moving as a unit. So I felt bad for them because they, they didn't really get I'm like that wasn't college, guys. Don't worry. What you experienced that was something different. That's not what you worked so hard to get to. Um, and, but nevertheless, you know, you navigated through it and you were still able to participate. You were still able to 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 um, to play and still able to compete. So I, you know, I want to I want to get your thoughts on, on, on mental health, and it, it, because mental health has been on the news a lot, it's been something that has been has been you know we're talking more openly than we've ever before, and I'm I'm from the old school like suck it up let's go, are you tough or are you weak like you know but then but then I I, have, I had to get to a point where, yeah I'm, I'm still from the old school I'm, I still want you to suck it up I still want you to be tough, I still want you to be mentally tough, but I also want you to be in tune with how you're feeling. And I also want to be able to help you to to, to um, navigate those feelings at the same time. So uh, is that something that, you, that you're seeing? You know, and, how, and if so, how are you addressing that? Um, I wrote like eight sentences down while you were talking. So mm-hmm. first of all, what I try to tell my, I can come from this experience when you've done softball your entire life and when there's no softball, what happens? I think for athletes, we wrap up our purpose and our identity in softball. My purpose was I need to win. I'm I'm loved because I win. I'm appreciated and respected because I win. So it becomes this performance mentality that um, success is in winning. And if I'm not winning, if I'm not performing, my worth is attached to that. So now I'm no good. Hmm. Now I'm not worth anything. What's the point of me living? Because I'm in a slump and I can't get out of it. So a lot of that, what helped me through all of it, because there was times of depression through the two two years is that was my faith, my faith in knowing that my identity is not in this. I'm not alone. 
I've got a God that is bigger than this world and he's got a plan and a purpose for my life. I don't have to worry about this world because I have a savior that's gone before this and already has done everything. Mm-hmm. There's people out there that don't know that. There's people mm-hmm. out there that don't have faith. And for that, it's my my word of encouragement is your worth and who you are is not tied up in softball. You have a bigger purpose in this world besides that because softball will end. And you can see in different um, players that played in the USA, played in the Olympic team when they don't have softball anymore, what do they have? You've got to have things outside of softball, outside of school that fulfill you and that give you purpose and that you have something that you're pursuing and softball is not life. And that's hard because when you grow up in a culture of softball, you grow up and you you live, you eat, you breathe, you die, you, you, you bleed that color of your school mm-hmm. and this is it. But, and that's fine. You can do that. But guess what? Your identity is not in that. Um, and your worth is not in your winning performance. And it's okay. I try to teach my kids. It's okay to fail. Failure's good because you're going to learn from it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're always going to fail. If you ever feel like you're going through this life and you're not going to fail, when you graduate college and you try to go look for a job and you fail at every interview you have, guess what? You're going to learn from each one of those and you're going right. to win at some point. Mm-hmm. So for failure is not bad. It's just a learning experience. Yeah. Um, and softball doesn't define you. Who you are is who Christ put inside of you. Who you are is who you decide you want to become things. I mean, God's already put inside of us the desires of our heart, who he wants us to be, who, what we're going to pursue, what we're going to mm-hmm. be driven towards. And softball was one of those things that he put in my path to be driven towards because he wanted to bless me and bless the people around around me and my life is now an exponential blessing to people around me because of what god did in my life and then i can use that in other areas of my life it was a learning experience of how to grow how to succeed through failure how to build when i'm weak how to keep going and fight when i'm tired like how to push myself you know it's just Softball was all that, but softball's not life. And so um, I feel like when when you're in college and it defines you and it's who you are and you're not performing or the weight of performance because it identifies who you are and your worth and you can't perform in school and you can't perform in softball and then you can't please your mom and dad and then your boyfriend breaks up with you, it just comes crashing down on you like like a brick wall Mm -hmm. and then if they don't have anything to really sustain them that's outside of that i think i think that's hard and two there's no level of communication there's no outlet or safe place for people to be weak because you can't be weak just like a man would identify i can't show my weakness i can't be weak Mm -hmm. so i can't communicate my weakness because i gotta be strong i gotta be strong for my family Mm -hmm. same for athletes they have to be strong for their team they have to carry their team i wait you got to carry the team on your shoulders and no, I don't have to do any of that. God didn't put that weight on me. I don't have to do that. I got to do what I'm called to do, and I'm going to do my best at what I'm called to do. And if it ain't good enough, then guess what? I'm going to move on to something new. But I can't place who I am and my worth in all of that. And I think that's the problem. There's no safe place to talk um, through things. There's no safe place to be weak. Um, there's no there's no um, positivity in failure. Failure, te- failure means you're weak and you're terrible instead of failure is a learning experience. Let's learn and move on. And, you know, their purpose is outside of softball. The worth it and identity is not tied to winning and performance. So, so, so I, that was, whew, that was a lot. And that was great. And that's something that, you know, I, I don't think people talk about enough. I believe that there is, there has been a, 
despiritualization mm-hmm. in schools and sports, right? A, de- a kind of like a a, a despiritualization of it. I believe that it, it's it's on the parent parents to instill um, that foundation of you're gonna know who God is. Mm. Like uh, that, I'm gonna make sure of that. Like I grew up that way. Like you're gonna know who and what God is. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, <laughs> and, and we're gonna put a we're gonna put an importance on it, and we're gonna always make sure that you know that there's nothing more important than that. Like that's yeah. that was that was my parents' responsibility, and then that's gonna be that that has been my responsibility to my own kids. So it's like you know what, that, that's just a game. Yeah, we love it, mm-hmm. but just a game. Relax. Um, now, because sports has been despiritualized, and and, and People do the basics, you know. You'll see teams like you know getting a circle around 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 the mound after the game, and they'll do the little the little uh, the prayer and stuff, and that's good. But then, the, but there's there's a deeper level of of spirit of spirituality, and I, mm-hmm. I I don't know I don't know that. And and I I always talk about this book that I want to write that I kind of already started writing for the last five years called called the the spiritual dynamics of in game <coughs> of in game performance. The spiritual mm-hmm. dynamics and how, mm-hmm. you know, my my connection to my the my creator plays a role in how I show up in in the world and in the game, period. And you know who who does a great job of expressing that? You can see it all over her. Okay. You know who? The pitcher from Alabama. Oh, Montana Fouts. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Her success is way bigger than her and way mm-hmm. bigger than Alabama. Mm-hmm. That's why she has success at the level that mm-hmm. she has it at, period. So now fast forward to 2022 where everything is, everything is heightened. You, you, cut, you go on social media, everybody's holding up home run balls. Look at me. I'm hitting home runs. You know, you, you, we're, we're seeing the highlights of everybody's life played out on social media. Mm-hmm. Now, you, I, I know those kids have struck and I've struck out before. <laughs> <laughs> but they ain't posting that. So now you sit up here thinking you're the only one that's failing, you're the only one that's struggling, you're the only one that's striking out. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that the um you, you you said something. You said you said <coughs> that the where the it, it's 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 not popular to be weak. Yeah. But I will tell you that vulnerability and being able to be vulnerable is really true confidence. Because if I'm really confident, then I'm confident enough to actually show my vulnerability. And that's something that I never really understood till later in my life. But um, I'm, I'm trying to get my, my players to understand the power that's in that vulnerability. So because it's in the vulnerability that you'll be able to connect, truly connect. And these kids are growing with a world where there's not true connection. They don't know mm-hmm. how to talk. They Snapchat. They send stupid pictures. And then there's no true connection. There's no true vulnerability. And they're being the, the, the narrative of social media and our uh-huh. government is playing this huge role on their mind. Mm-hmm. And it's telling it's like being uh, brainwashed daily with mm-hmm. Instagram and social media and everything mm-hmm. of this this persona of who they are. I mean, social media and the economy, and everything is telling them who they should be. And so mm-hmm. then you take away the lack of conversation, intimacy with people, friendships. They don't know how to communicate. Therefore, they don't know how to express their feelings. 
I mean, we can go on a whirlwind with all of this. So I have, I have you know, so what I've been doing um, lately is when I can identify when there's something else, you know, I have to be able to, I have to be able to, to guide and direct my athletes to certain places where there are people mm-hmm. who are really qualified to help them deal with whatever the thing is. It could be, it could be on field stuff. It could be off field stuff. It could be whatever. It could be just life stuff. But I know when I know when my kids are underperforming and it has nothing to do with their, with their actual abilities, but it has something to do with something else that's going on that's hindering them. I, I can identify that. But I also yeah. know, I also know that there are people who are paid, prof- who, who paid professionals. There are people who are, who are, trained professionals in listening and helping people to deal with those human issues. So those are just human but, issues. But will they actually go or are they going to go to somebody they trust? You know what it is? Like, it's funny because a lot of, a lot of my kids that are in college that I, and, I, and I'll follow up with them. Hey, so how'd it go? Did you go see the, the, the sports psychologist? Because a lot of schools, they provide those things with them. But I, I, I find an overwhelmingly amount of an overwhelming amount of my players that I've sent, or you know, suggested that they go see see some help. Mm-hmm. Didn't they didn't really like the they didn't really like it they, they didn't really get it wasn't a, it has not been a positive experience for them. Mm-hmm. More than not, and that's anecdotal. That's just my experience. It could be my my, my numbers could be off. Yeah. So, but it's also like going, mm-hmm. you're going to a counselor's office like you're going on a first date. I mean, yeah, yeah, but it's kind of like, but you know, every, everybody's not good at their job though. Like, mm-hmm. just because you do it, just because you went to school and, and you got this degree and, and that's what you want to do is, is help people. But if you're not good at helping people, then it's just not good. You know, mm-hmm. then I'm sure, but I'm sure there's people out there that are good at it. So my hope, you know, my hope and my prayer is that my kids can can find the right person that is good for them. Mm-hmm. So they can get some help. Yeah. So, so I, I think you know, having being able to do that, you know, you know and and now if, if we, you know, on on the field, you know, when we have those kids, like man, she's so good, but she just can't get it together. Um, like, you know, you got these things. Like, we're trying to do everything we can, and, and it's not even a softball issue. It's not even a talent issue. It's not even a it's not even a mechanics issue. It's something deeper that we have to try to help them connect and connect with, with connect and and and, um, and be able to kind of kind of work around those things. So, mm-hmm. um, or work through them because you, you're going to have to either work through it or you're going to have to try to work around it. You got to have to figure it out. They're going to have to figure yeah. it out. Some kids can actually separate themselves from the thing mm-hmm. and the game has become the savior. Mm. But at some point, they're going to be other things. Like you said, the game's going to, the game's going to end. Yeah. So, and then they don't have their savior. Then they don't have That's what I'm talking about. Outlet. That's what I'm talking about. And, that's, and then that's, you have those parents yeah. that their outlets, their kid at six years old. Mm-hmm. Playing part ball. That's their outlet. Mm-hmm. One thing I was going to tell you, too, is um, one thing that I see, and I don't know if you, it, it kind of goes along with what we were saying, is the the way that it's been on my heart is the way that the dads talk to the daughters, you know, growing up. And um, I've, I'm a firm believer in life and death is in the power in the tongue. And so you have, with your tongue, you have the power to change them or you have the power to destroy them. Mm-hmm. And especially with a daughter-father relationship, um, how he speaks to her, some can be spoken to mm-hmm. like a like a boy, you know, very, mm-hmm. very hard push them. They like that. They want to be pushed and, and, and be strong. And some just can't handle that. And I feel like if <laughs> the coaches slash parents that are working with these kids would be able to discipline with life-giving words with 
you know, this is not who you are. This performance is not who you are. I know you're better, but this, this was not up to par, but I know you're better. Mm-hmm. You know, not you're destroyed the team. We lost because of you. You suck. Like, don't speak to their identity in that way. Speak your performance stunk, you know, but that's not who you are. I know you're better than that. Mm-hmm. And then they're not relating their performance to who they are. Now they know they're better than that, and that gets the best out of them. So I have worked on that for years with my daughter, just how I speak to her in generally, mm-hmm. in general. But I know it's a challenge. But if our parents and our coaches, I mean, there's times to be hard. There's times to you know come down on them. I do with Kaylee. But never in a sense of condescending and talking to her about who she is, like, you know, not saying you're stupid for doing that. No, that activity was stupid. You're not stupid. You're brilliant. But that was stupid. Yes. You know, there's mm-hmm. two different ways of talking about who she is versus what she did. And you can you can discipline what she did, but never discipline who she is as a person. You always lift the person up. You discipline the action. And I feel like that gets watered down. And then that's probably a lot of the, the problem, too, with some of this um, this mental issue. So, um, and I know I'm not going to keep you too much longer. I really want to wrap it up, but I want to say um, th- there's a lot of, you know, you know, I try to help my kids find teams, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason, they may, they may need to go to a different team. They may need to kind of go, go up to a, a higher team on a higher level or for whatever reason, they may need to make a lateral move. Um, but in that, in that, I'm finding it harder and harder as I get to know how people treat people. It's like, okay, these people over here are very abusive. In, in today's world and in and, 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 and today's emotional cli- climate, mm-hmm. you can't be so abrasive and so abusive verbally to impressionable little girls. And if and, and even more so, I feel like from a, a grown man, mm-hmm. it's, it's so much more, it's so much more um, in, intimidating to watch young girls have to deal with that. And I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm hoping that if somebody's listening to this podcast and you're that person that you work on on getting better at being able to be, yeah, we want you to be constructive in your criticism, but we don't want you to be destructive in your in your criticism. Because they're going to appreciate it more, and they're going to be be willing to change more. But I think I think we're finding I'm finding that it's, it's I'm like, where do I send this kid? Like it's just getting bad. It's getting worse and worse and worse. So um, and then it's not even not only that there are people that are around these people that are letting them do it, and they're not checking them. Mm. So you're you're just as guilty if you're the assistant coach and you let it happen, because he don't talk to his granddaughter like that. He don't talk to his daughter like that. He doesn't. Trust me, he doesn't. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just considered. Oh, that's part of the job. They're going to be tough, and you need to suck it up. I had a kid just quit her high school team, and uh, the coach was very passive aggressive, and um, would de- it was just not good for her mental state. And yep. then we had to sit down and talk through: Do we quit in the middle of season? What does that mm-hmm. teach my daughter? How does that leave the team? Then what are the repercussions we're going to deal with with leaving the team? I mean, you have all this other that goes in with it. And it's like, when do we take a step up for our mental health and our emotional health against this and call this out? 
or when do we just sit back and say, well, we need to suck it up. Don't quit a team. And see, and, and that, that's where I am. And that's where I've, I've been with a lot of my kids recent, more, more recently than others. I'm like, I got I to gotta get them to understand that you love yourself more than that to have to put yourself through that. Mm. It's, it's a form of Stockholm disease almost. Mm. You start almost like loving your oppressor <laughs> in a sense. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, you know, there's so many things, that, you know, so much things you know, with the mental game. But I think, you know, as we move forward, you know, with the game of softball and with, with, with coaches like us that have, that have been doing it for so long and, <coughs> and we see these things, um, um, I think it, some of this stuff transcends how do I throw a rise ball and a curveball and a drop ball and how do I hit an outside pitch and how do I stay back on a changeup? <laughs> like, okay, well, yeah. that, that's important stuff. But then there's other stuff too that, that I have to, we have to have, we have to have these talks and we have to have these conversations and I have to help my kids to be able to deal with these things and, and be able to advocate for themselves. Mm. And, and, yeah. and, I, and I want parents to start standing up more for their kids. Like if you need to go check some of these coaches, like, are you standing up for your kids? Are you standing up for them? Mm-hmm. You just going to let them go through that? Yeah. Your, if that's your kid. Like, yeah. what is that? That's <laughs> unbelievable. Well, so, I mean, uh, <laughs> it goes back to the dads. The dads thinking, well, I was treated like that by my fa- my football coach, and I'm okay. Are you? But are you okay? <laughs> that's the other question. Okay, you're okay? Oh, really? Yeah. You're okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, no, I, think I don't, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. you could have a whole podcast on just everything we talked about. Mm-hmm. So. So I gotta have you back now because I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be the guy that had you on a two-hour podcast when you got stuff to do. So I want to have you back so we could talk. We could talk softball because I, I, you know, we, I, I just kind of wanted to have a conversation. We haven't talked in a while. I said, you know, we'll talk. Let's talk. I, I don't want. I didn't want to talk to you. and We have this great conversation and then we didn't document it. I'm like, I wish everybody would have heard it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. So um. So yeah. So I think you know, we'll we'll, we'll definitely um try to catch up. Within, within 30 days and, and try to yeah. you know try to get into some um, some softball um, but I but I know that I know that people will be will be, will be blessed by this podcast because I think it was, it was, it was needed so, yeah. so I'm excited so for people who don't know I got I probably have a lot of new listeners they don't know um, how can they how can they follow you how can they get in touch how can they how can they uh, okay. follow uh-huh. Kirk also have Instagram it's Foster Fast Pitch on Instagram and I have a Facebook Foster Fast Pitch so you can get in touch with me there and um, if you ever need any coaching I have an online membership that you guys can join um, and coach that I mean be in there and hear me coach and coach your daughter and have a program plan and all the things so that interests you or I do um, weekend assessments and, and where you can come in and do a weekend with me as well so if that's something you're interested in just all right y'all so i want to thank everybody for listening we'll catch up with y'all soon peace out